Welcome back. In this episode, we're going to set a bit of a foundation of uh, what theology is all about and how to evaluate it between different perspectives. Now, um, I view theology as an attempt by human beings to make sense of reality. Now, theology refers specifically to people that uh, <clears throat> try to have a, have a belief in some sort of higher being, but even other types of philosophy um, pretty much do the same thing, uh, including uh, atheistic, naturalistic philosophies as well. They, we, uh, as human beings, we, we have certain experiences, we have access to uh, certain types of data about reality, and then we try to come up with an overarching narrative to explain um, what this data is all about, what it means, does it have any significance for us, are we supposed to be doing something with our lives. These types of questions are questions that philosophy and theology attempt to, to answer to. Now, um, <clears throat> most people have a tendency to quickly dismiss perspectives that they disagree with. So they might, you know, they might say, okay, uh, person X believes, uh, you know, in, in some particular God with some particular um, point of view, and because they believe this one, one thing, the whole religion must be wrong. And we have to be careful with that because we need to be able to step a little bit of outside ourselves and our own view of the world and try to immerse ourselves in the other per person's point of view in order to properly evaluate where they're coming from. To some degree, uh, theology or philosophy, they're like, like a language. So, for example, I uh, speak Romanian. I grew up speaking Romanian. And in my language, um, the phrase you use for to ask the question, how are you, when you greet somebody... Uh, sounds similar to to a cuss word in English. So <clears throat> it would not make sense uh, for you know for somebody speaking Romanian to come up to you and, and ask you how you are in Romanian and you getting upset and getting offended because they're cussing you out. You have to interpret words in the way they're using that particular language rather than through the way they, they used to interpreting them in your own language. So to some degree, to really be able to evaluate theology and philosophy, you need to be able to um, to take a sort of uh, uh, academic, um, just, just be able to kind of step outside of yourself, uh, outside your own point of view, um, have, have a sort of uh, <clears throat> unbiased, neutral point of view that you start from, and then immerse yourself in the other person's perspective and understand the logic of their viewpoint and then evaluate it that way. And this applies to, you know, all points of view, whether other religions, other denominations within Christianity, um, secular points of view, and so on. Um, the problem is this isn't very easy to do because we're each very committed to our own perspective because our view of reality affects how we live our lives. So a person that believes in God, you know, and this often happens when people change views. Uh, somebody might believe in God and then, and then uh, 
you know, at some point in their life decide that they, they want to become an atheist. They, they've, they've come to the conclusion that God does not exist. These types of changes are major changes. They're very disruptive to the way we live our lives. Uh, and the natural tendency is to resist them. <clears throat> in other words, if today I stop believing in God, a lot of things about my life would be very different. What I spend my time, time thinking about, what I spend my time working on, the way I view the world, the decisions I make, pretty much everything will change if I, if I make that, that one decision. So because of this, the, we're, we are instinctually programmed to resist those types of changes and to be biased when we evaluate them. So um, I guess the point I just want to clarify here is that um, there are different perspectives. A lot of them have been very well thought out with, with people spending maybe centuries or millennia thinking through the ramifications of their own point of view and their own version of reality. And we should make an effort to be fair and evaluate these this perspectives um, fairly. Uh, one way I think of them is treating them like hypotheses in science and say, okay, here's one hypothesis of what what reality is all about. Here's another hypothesis. So let's step back and kind of look at them and, and decide um, which is more likely to be correct. Um, <clears throat> so when I, when I try to do this, <clears throat> I, um, I try to look at the different theologies uh, kind of through a three-step process. <clears throat> so the first step in, in, in this evaluation process is to ask if the theology is internally coherent. So uh, there are certain points of view that you can dismiss right offhand just because they don't really add up. So for example, uh, let's say I... Um, I decide that uh, I'm a prophet, that um, I've been called by God to tell the world what the truth is all about. So somebody comes up to me and says, okay, you claim to be a prophet. How do you know, how do we know that you, you are in fact a prophet and you're not just making this up? And I tell them, well, because, uh, you know, the ancient books like the Bible and the Quran and and the Vedas and all these ancient scriptures, they all pointed to me coming at this point in time. Uh, and then the people will say, well, how do we know that that's what they're saying? Because uh, nobody seems to have gotten that impression from reading those books in the past. And then I tell them, well, you have to read the books through my interpretation of the books. So let me sit you down and explain to you what the books are actually saying. And then those books will, in fact, testify that I am a true prophet. Well, this is circular reasoning. So somebody can dismiss this right offhand without any kind of additional evidence of whether my philosophy of the world as a so-called prophet is correct or not. Because the, a critical element in, my, in the belief system I'm proposing just doesn't add up. It's circular or illogical. Now, that's just one example, but there are... Um, philosophies that in fact are built on those kinds of uh, nonsensical foundations and um, in those situations you could you could just dismiss those hypotheses um, as incoherent from the beginning now once a philosophy passes that first stage 
In other words, it's, it's proposing a view of reality that is coherent. The next uh, way to evaluate this, this perspective is by comparing it to the real-world data. So, in other words, is this philosophy or, or perspective on reality making any claims that, that have been uh, uh, um, disproven or, or that just don't add up with what we know of the world? And that's another way to evaluate a point of view and to accept it or dismiss it. Now, if, if a philosophy or theology passes even this test, the third step is to say, well, even though this particular philosophy is still viable, there might be other perspectives of the world that make even more sense or that fit with reality even better. And then we kind of have a choice because some people will say, well, <clears throat> I'm probably going to go ahead and switch over to, to the perspective that seems to fit even better with reality. While other people say, no, I'm going to, we're going to stick with this one and try to develop it further because it's still viable and it might still have a chance to prove itself in the long run. And in that situation, um, there's need for dialogue and there's need for continued research. Which brings me to another point, that um, we need to give this philosophies or this perspectives or views of reality a chance to develop. Uh, if, if we're dealing with something that's new, and I'm saying this specifically because I, I am going to be talking about the Adventist perspective here. Even though Adventism has been around for 150 years, um, it hasn't spent sufficient time in developing its point of view to, to be able to be fully tested and analyzed yet. It, it needs extra time and we need to be able to allow uh, this perspective and other such perspective a chance to fully develop into a, a whole... Uh, and coherent system of thought before dismissing it or judging it or, or saying it doesn't quite fit. Now, another thing that I also insist on whenever evaluating a perspective is to evaluate it in contrast with some alternative perspective. So, for example, uh, if I'm going to evaluate Hinduism, um, I want to evaluate it against Christianity or against something else. Because... Um, Every single perspective that we're dealing with, it doesn't matter whether it's one religion or another or an atheistic, naturalistic perspective, there are always problems. And if we always focus on a single perspective at a time, what happens is we can come up with a list of things and say, okay, this perspective doesn't add up because of all these different reasons. But it's possible that if we set it side by side with, with another perspective, the other alternative perspective would have even more problems. So... When we evaluate points of view, it's important to have at least one other perspective side by side and to be able to say, yeah, there are some <clears throat> issues with this perspective, but there's issues with, with the others we're contrasting it to as well, so it's still viable in that sense. And we're not at a point yet where we can fully dismiss it because it's got just about the same amount of problems as every other uh, <clears throat> viable perspective we're considering. So these are just some steps that I use and and I request others to use when evaluating uh, any kind of theological or philosophical perspective. Um, set it up in this three-phase uh, table. Is it coherent? Does it fit with the data? Uh, does it work well in contrast with other perspectives? Is there an alternative perspective that is being contrasted to and has it had enough time to be developed fully.
So with that in mind, we're going to switch topics again and talk about epistemology and take a very wide detour working our way back towards Adventism because what I'm trying to do is explain where Adventism fits within the wider context of Christian theology and we need to do a lot of review before we get to Adventism so that everyone can understand how it all fits. Alright, so we'll uh, talk again in the next episode.